Hi, this is Netta Laurene from SmackDown, and you're listening to Freeform Rock Podcast. are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor. Welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast. With me as always is Mr. Gerstman. Hi, I'm Mr. Scatterbrain Gerstman. How are you doing, Mr. Pasta Fazuli? <laughs> I'm doing great. And we also have, uh, for his last episode of the Month of Blues that sneaks into February with this episode, it's uh, Mr. Brian Davis from Damn Good Movie Memories Podcast and that metal station, The Bad Beat. What's up, Brian? That's right. Thank you, Mark, and, and thank you, Lee. This, is always, this has been a ton of fun. It's gone by quick, and uh, hopefully the listeners enjoy it as well. Uh, they better, man. That's really good shit. Right on. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you got then, me into uh, some and good And then kind stuff. of a, a precursor, you get, I, I get to hang out one, on one of Lee's picks. So that I think that that's only fair. And, yeah, uh, that's that, the reason why I did it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I, I thought, like, I, I wasn't looking. I, I was just looking for an album that I just thought, I just want to do this album with Brian. Yeah, and I appreciate that. That's cool. Right on. That's cool, man. So today we're doing uh, the Blues Brothers uh, briefcase full of blues, and this is kind of like the first live album we've ever reviewed, Brian. <laughs> oh, cool. And it's basically original. I mean, it's original music because they never recorded. Actually, I don't. Besides the soundtrack, they never did a studio album. So this is kind of cool. Yeah. And this this is all blues covers, right? It is. It is. I hear them in the, and this is uh, recorded at the Universal Amphitheater. Uh, That's right. Uh, former, it used to be there. It's they now tore it down to put in more stuff uh, <laughs> for the tour, which sucks because that was a. I have so many memories at that place. I saw Pat Benatar, Tom hmm. Petty and Heartbreakers, Queens Reich, freaking uh, Rush on the Time Machine tour. It's like, man. So many good concerts I've seen there, and now all those memories are torn down. How, how many did they hold? Yeah. Like, how, what was the venue size? It was pretty. It's pretty, pretty big. It was like a, a nice uh, concert arena. It had two levels. Okay, uh, cool. And it was great to sit at the first row in the top level because you could see over the stage. It was right. Freaking awesome. I saw Queens right when they did Operation Mindcrime One and Two there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh. Uh, two wasn't that good, but it was cool when uh, Ronnie James Dio came out on stage and did something with him on uh, play Doctor X. Yeah, that, that was, was like two thousand four, two thousand four ish, something like that. It was right yeah. the next tour they did that freaking god awful uh, fucking burlesque show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that was kind of the beginning of the end. And... Yeah, I was like with for contortionist and freaking trapeze artist. <laughs> I, I did see that, that same tour uh, in San Francisco at the at the Warfield, and actually, I think I had front row seats for the balcony there too, as well. So, yeah. yeah. Did Dio come out on that one too? I don't believe so. No, no. Oh, but it, I had a good time because they, they had all the video production, and and it was cool to kind of see everything in its you know entirety. Jeff must have been wearing a wig because he had his hair. Because <laughs> I was going, I thought he was bald. How did he get this freaking hair back? <laughs> you never know what Jeff Tate. I always knew him when he had hair, and then I was surprised when I saw he didn't. Well, we saw yeah. we saw him uh, last year, I think, at, um, at a small club, and his voice sounded amazing. Mm -hmm. 
And I can't wait to like we get to go back to shows because he's doing uh, Empire in its entirety and uh, Rage for Order, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, I want to see those because he sounded amazing. And we were right in front at the club. And he was kicking. His band was good. He was good. And I go, man, I thought he lost his voice. Nope. He freaking sounds amazing. And he, he, he had the crowd going, man. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw them with Todd opening up for uh, Scorpions. And mm. I don't know. The sound was terrible. They didn't sound very good. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was disappointed because I love the albums Todd's done with Queensryche. But it wasn't that good. And Scorpions came out and I go, thank God this is better. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like pissed off because I wanted to see them with Todd. And I saw them and I wasn't impressed. I wonder if a lot of vocalists will will appreciate this rest, you know, because they haven't had the tour and and they can, you know, savor their voices or kind of, you know, marinate their voice in the sense that they're not, they didn't have to go on a long tour, you know, last year. So it'll be interesting how certain guys do, you know, maybe those that maybe maybe needed a break and had a forced layoff, you know. Well, I heard Vince Neal's working with a vocal coach, <laughs> so that's good for him. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. They still, yeah. they still, uh, those st- that stadium tour is still scheduled. I still, my tickets have been pushed back to September next year. So, well, I could be wrong because uh, we just, as we're taping this, the day before we were listening to the soundtrack for Kiss and Paul Stanley. So maybe disregard what I just said about the time off and everything. Oof. <laughs> Dubai, Puke City. Oof. People are I actually mean, um, liking that the on little Facebook. Bit, well, yeah, the I mean, little Eddie. bit, the little bit that I saw, I thought he was better than he had been. But then I heard the creakiness, and I thought, that no, this no, no. He might have the tape version in the good part. So that that actually, it sounded like there was tape there. I mean, <laughs> I really um. I don't hate Kiss. I'm I'm a fan of theirs, but I mean, I saw them back in in the way way back then. And if they were a band that did jams, where they had intervals, where they did stuff that you could only see if you were at a concert, mm-hmm. that would be different. But to have a song played the same. Or close to the same every night. That's what I can't understand is why do people want to see a group multiple nights when that group isn't going to do anything significantly different during any of the nights? I'm with you, eh? They don't totally. even play any deep tracks. <laughs> it's like, no. it's just greatest hits, man. Kiss Alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what a... Yeah. I mean, the only time and... they even do anything remotely like that is the Kiss Cruise, but... Uh, yeah. 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 It's like, uh, I, I, I'm, t- I'm not that big of a Kiss fan. I'm, I'm a huge Ace fan. But, mm-hmm. um... Yeah. I like the uh, Lick It Up. I like the Vinnie Vincent era, but I just... In fact, Lick It Up I... is my favorite Kiss album. And I even yeah. like... Oh, I uh, get that, yep. I even like Revenge. You know, I love Domino, man. That's a great song. Um, I don't dislike Revenge as much as some people. I don't love it as much as some people, but I'll listen to it. I used to sometimes listen to it when I had it on cassette on my headphones, and I listened to it a lot. So it is a very listenable album. 
I mean, I'd much rather listen to Lick It Up and, and Creatures than Destroyer. <laughs> I know everyone, Destroyer gets all the love. And I don't hate Destroyer, but it's definitely, and I mentioned this on a prior episode, it's my least favorite of the 70s, and so I'd, I'd much oh, rather some other yeah. stuff. So. I'm, not, I'm not a the biggest fan of Creatures only because of certain particular um, songs that had certain parts that I didn't love, but overall... I would say Creatures is is like a, a much better than Destroyer for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, me yeah. too. I just like uh, I like seventies Kiss. Uh, I was like, all, Kiss yeah. was like I got into Kiss in the late eighties. I didn't really get into them. I was mostly into like Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Dokken, freaking Ariel, cool. Ariel yeah. Speedwagon, freaking bands like that was my my 80s jams and like Depeche Mode and freaking The Cure and I still love those bands man but uh-huh. Kiss I got in I I was a Kiss hater and then I got into them and then they started making crap music and then I go oh man I should stop <laughs> but, <laughs> maybe, maybe kind of like oh maybe I was right after all <laughs> yeah well it's like I don't understand they're they I think the makeup and the show puts puts off that they're not very good musicians <laughs> to me i don't know i think he's a sloppy that, but he's um, good sloppy you know i would say that um from what i understand they have a basic ability to write some good songs but from what i've heard i think that whereas the alice cooper band was supposed to have been at their worst, um, still very good, and and they had their reputation that they had to do, but that they could jam and do tons of cool, melodic, interesting musical stuff, whereas Kiss had to keep practicing and practicing in order to get that one basic song down. Well, you've never seen any of the Kiss members go guest on somebody's album. Like, uh, yeah. Dick Wagner was on uh, Train Cup or Rolling. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, like, you, know, yeah. You, you, you know what I heard? That um, the this is unfair, but Frank Zappa told Alice Cooper's band, Look, rehearse, and then I'll come back and record you guys. And he put on the tape. And they were just doing a very rough rehearsal. But then Frank Zappa came back and said, that's the album. And they were like, what? We were only doing a rough rehearsal. And that happened on two other albums. And finally, with Love and the Death, even though that's not my favorite album, I like the rest of their stuff better. Um, At least with Love and the Death, that was the first album where if Bob Ezrin was the producer... He worked with them and had them actually do what they wanted to do in the studio. Right. So I think that they had a rough rap. They were like like being treated like they didn't know anything. But Alice Cooper himself said they were able to play extremely intense progressive rock. It's just that in the studio, some of the producers didn't care right yeah well that, that makes sense that now that uh, you know those first two albums are 
are kind of all over the place because yeah i never knew that 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 zappa did that but that they kind of makes more sense yeah well, yeah it's like with kiss man i i, I imagine them freaking like zoolander trying to get into a computer going like i wouldn't doubt it like they're cave like they're cavemen and they write lyrics like i'm gonna write this burn bitch burn you know i'm gonna write simple shit that people lick it up yeah <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> yeah it's like Maybe it's Vince like caveman it's is like the caveman. only guy who had talent really it's like gene simmons is a great bass player I, i'll give him that but yeah and ace is amazing he's sloppy but he's he's raw and he's original but yeah but ace, gene really stopped playing bass like late 70s for whatever reason he just decided to because you listen to early Kiss, he, he's got some you know interesting things going on. But come the, I don't even think he half the time he even play in the eighties. Um, yeah, you know, other people were kind of guesting for him, which that's kind of disappointing. Well, it's yeah, just, I just think they're cavemen. You know, they're not very talented, but <laughs> yeah. they get their point through. They just write when the simplest the, shit to the, get the fans to go buy it. You know. Yeah, yeah, when I saw them live, Ace was simply the best. He he impressed the hell out of me it, it he made it one of the best concerts that i saw one of my two favorite concerts and gene even though his bass work was strange and he wasn't melodic he was at least creative and inventive right. and he was doing weird stuff that i paid attention to paul was decent he played picture perfect but he didn't do anything that elevated me to think, wow, this is live. He mm -hmm. sounded more like he wanted to copy what a record was. And um, Peter was good, but his solo kind of disappointed me. It was like, it was good enough, but it wasn't as transcendent as I thought he could do. But... Of the two of them, I thought Peter was a little bit more transcendent than Paul, but they were both very accomplished. But the two that held my interest most, who were the most interesting, was Gene and Ace. And the one who wowed me, who made me go, holy shit, was Ace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a Ace, is, I got into Ace before Kiss. I got into his solo albums, uh... Uh, freaking great albums i i finally got the the first uh fraley's comet on final and it's amazing yeah and uh um, yeah i'm just like wow i said gene i i don't know i've tried listening to his solo albums i tried listening to paul's solo albums oh. i don't can't stand peter chris's solo albums because i don't like his voice <laughs> he sounds like a, a weak imitation of uh freaking rod stewart and um I don't know why people like Beth so much. It just, it's like, I put down Beth and everybody like wants to kill me. <laughs> like what the hell? I can't oh say, I can't give um, my opinion. I think Beth sucks. You suck. You need to fucking go back to musical school. Your opinion is horrible. And it's like, oh it's, my God. It's, it's, it's not a good song. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I've heard the original and that's better. And it's, it's not, it's not the very, very worst song that I've heard, but I don't want to say that because if someone comes up with a very, very worse song, I don't want them to start playing that and say, here you go, buddy. You know, I want to be able to say, if you come to my house, 
and you are a rocker and you want Beth to be the first song that we play on my stereo system, I'd rather you take that song and leave it out on the curb. And if you try to sneak it in, I'll bring one of my dogs to come out and chew on your CD. <laughs> so is that, worse, like that. is that worse than anything Bon Jovi's ever done? Yes. <laughs> nice. Nice. You've Progress. actually got me. I now almost broken down where I'm like a horse that you've ridden and ridden and ridden and ridden up. Okay, fuck you. Bon Jovi's okay. <laughs> Fucking shoot, bitch. Shoot me. Send me to the glue factory. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> oh, man. Or well, at least give me a chance to snip some glue. Right, the wrong way. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I told Brian last night, and people that I finally found a band that uh, Lee hates more than Bon Jovi. <laughs> I'll tell you guys here because it's that's the episode not already that, that's not something that people should dig for. <laughs> it's thirty eight special because we did thirty fourth and you were like, I'd rather listen to Bon Jovi. And I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> I was so drunk when I did that review that I don't even remember saying it, but I think to myself, Thank you, drunken self. You spoke truth. <laughs> All right, well let's get into this album, uh, Blues Brothers Briefcase Full of Blues. Uh, and we get into hold on, I don't even have my thing up. Uh I lag, sorry guys. <laughs> So okay, man. So let's talk more shit about Kiss for a second. So, what's your worst Kiss song, guys? Mine was Beth. Oh shit! Worst. Um, uh, God, I, I, I can tell you my worst. I don't know about a specific song. My my two least favorite. Oh, we'll do three least favorite Kiss albums. I hate Psycho Circus. I think that's that's complete garbage. Um, you ought to hear my review of Psycho Circus. I'll give you a link to it. Okay. Uh, I hate Psycho Circus. Crazy Nights is pretty bad, uh, and Carnival Souls is pretty bad too. Those are my bottom three, and pretty much any song off those. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about Carnival of Souls because I respect the fact that you dislike the other two. Okay. <laughs> but 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 what I will say is for me, um, Great Expectations is a pretty stinkeroo of a song like I would say every time I look at you is also not good and forever is is pretty horrible and homie touch me and Beth and um I would say um at least 50% of Peter Chris's album <laughs> and about maybe 80% of Gene Simmons solo album all qualify well, I, I will tell you, I do like Forever. It reminds me of Bon Jovi. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's not Kiss. It's like, come on, man. Come on. You, those guys jumped on so many fucking bandwagons. It's like, okay, grunge is in. Let's do a grunge job. Oh, wait. Uh, 80s hair um, metal. Let's do that. You know? But that's one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of Bon Jovi songs is because they sound like that style. I'm not... Here's the thing. I just... I heard Runaway. I thought it was a cheesy, bland piece of pap. I didn't mind the girl 
in the Catholic outfit. Her face was kind of a little bit odd, but I didn't <laughs> mind her. But the song, I thought, these guys aren't doing anything. And and then and then um, they continued on that path. So for me, I just don't like that kind of junk. Uh, okay, man. So I get I, it. I will say my least my least favorite song that everyone seems to like, and it's on Destroyer too. I, I I've never liked Shattered Out Loud. I I don't know why. I just Oh, it almost sounds like a circus beginning, like ding, 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 oh. ding. I mean, it sounds like a carnival going on. And I'm like, ugh, whatever. What about the okay. live version? Do you think the live version is better? And it probably is, but yeah, <laughs> it's, I'm not not a big not a big fan of that song. All right, okay, so I'm not going to say now that we or turned not, off I all like the it. Kiss fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like '70s Kiss. <laughs> yeah, how can you not? I like, like early rock. '80s Kiss, except for uh, Crazy Crazy Nights, which Nate loves. I think I think Bushy. Loves I don't that like album. that song at all. Crazy nights, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mind some of the other songs on it, but that song I don't like. But Adam Mitchell, yeah, who co-wrote the song, he was in a group called the Poppers, and 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 I might want us to some, me and Mark do a review of an album that they did, which I think is great, but it would depend upon whether or not it was in print for him. <laughs> but 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 if he wanted cred and 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 especially if he wanted cred as far as Adam Mitchell maybe recognizing that we knew what he did and he might respond if we were to tweet him well if you could I give me the tracks I'll do album. it if you send me the tracks <laughs> okay. I'll put it in my my freaking iPhone. Okay. Like I did with the uh, Boss Gags album he gave me. You know. I like it. All I think the one song that, yeah, I think the one song I on like it. Crazy Nights, I, I Thief in the Night, but that, I mean, Wendell Williams did that. Uh, I kind of like that song. Yeah, I think Gene does a good job on that one. But I, I yeah. do love Animal Eyes. That album's freaking awesome. <laughs> I, I, I to like, like that. more Crazy Nights. Yeah, and Asylum's great, too. I, I really Asylum's really good. Uh, and then they just yeah. went weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, except uh, <laughs> Revenge. I like Revenge. And then we get to this album, Briefcase Full of Blues, debut yeah. album by the Blues Brothers, released on November 28, 1978 by Atlantic Records. Was recorded live September 9, 1978 at the Universal Amphitheater. I was seven. A month later, I would have turned in. Exactly. <laughs> the band oh. opened for comedian Steve Martin. The album consists of covers of blues and soul songs from the 1950s to 1970s. The album reached number one on Billboard Top 200 and went double platinum, according to the Blues Brothers member Dan Aykroyd. The album sold 3.5 million copies in all. It's among the highest-selling blues albums of all time. Well, that's pretty good, man, for a live blues album. Freaking. Live albums don't really do good anymore, but this is freaking awesome. Winter in the 70s, everybody did a live album. Yeah. I never actually... I mean, I saw parts of the movie, and until we did this review, I never actually heard the album. Oh, and wow. I had opinions on it, but the opinions weren't based on anything other than maybe hearing a song or two. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to say, wow, you know, um, I, 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 I'll, I'll let you know what I think. Mm -hmm. When we get to the songs, but I will have to say that maybe 
shame on me for not at least giving it a chance. Sure. All right. So how did you get into this, Brian? Your dad or? Uh, well, kind of, yeah, definitely. I mean, I got it th- through the movie um, because he, he rented it uh, on VHS and uh, I was hooked once I saw the film and then my dad bought the amazing soundtrack. And so I heard uh, the soundtrack first and then he, he went back and got, of course, he had uh, Briefcase Full Blues and then their, their second album, which is uh, Made in America, which is also a live album. And then, of course, I went back and discovered all the, you know, the Saturday Night Live bit where it started, uh, the Blues Brothers, and from those best of SNL videos in the late 80s or the mid, mid to late 80s with Belushi and, and Aykroyd. So what I think what really made the Blues Brothers a legit band and, and not some sort of like novelty act, all of the musicians in the band were, were really the best of the best. You had Steve Cropper who playing guitar and then bassist Donald Duck Dunn, they were the Stax rhythm section. And they were some of the, you know, to some of the greatest soul and R&B musicians of the era. They are the MGs and Booker T and the MGs. Uh, they played, you know, on Sam and Dave and Otis Redding and Johnny Taylor and, and Rufus and, and Carla Thomas. And <laughs> these are some of the most important artists in, in American music history. And the real key, and no pun intended, was... The, the pianist and the musical director here was Paul Schaefer, which, of course, you know, now they know him for David Letterman. But they, they kind of forget he was a vital member of this touring band. And he kind of set up everything. So the horn section's amazing. And they have Blue Lou uh, Marini and, and Tom Bones Malone. They both played in Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And then to add to kind of the authentic blues feel, you get a second guitarist with Mac Guitar Murphy. This really is a super group that a lot of people just didn't know because they didn't follow who played on, on these, you know, these legendary albums. And, and the look of the band totally mirrored John Lee Hooker, you know, with the dark sunglasses and, and the suits and, and tie. And, uh, and one of the most famous gigs actually was in San Francisco at the Winterland. They opened up for the Grateful Dead in 78. And uh, it's on YouTube if you ever want to check it out. But, yeah, I think uh, uh, the, the great part about the Blues Bears is they really introduced a lot of people to some great music that I think a lot of people would have just missed out on, especially in, in 1978. I will say really quickly that when I saw who was playing on, I went, uh, wait a minute. These are really good, really oh, yeah. good quality people. I'm like, holy fuck me, man. You know? <laughs> I, I was, I was like, damn, well, I got to give this a shot. Yeah. Well, most of those were the Saturday night live band, including Paul Schaefer, <laughs> the original. I, the thing is, and the thing is, even though he did that, He's also apparently like a very, very good musical arranger anyway, and he got yes. that gig, but he it's it's like Anton Fig. He worked with Ace Frilly. Okay, he's with David Letterman now. He also did stuff with Spider and with Shanghai. Mm-hmm. He you know, so these people get on there, but they also have credit otherwise. Oh, totally. Yeah, so let's get into this album. We start with the opening, I Can't Turn You Loose, by Otis Redding. What would you yeah. think about this one? And, and this is the awesome thing about the Blues Brothers, the, the band, is that they took all of these amazing songs, and then they kind of made them their own, in some cases better. Uh, but in some cases, like with I Can't Turn You Loose, they basically turned it into their own theme song by kind of making it a quick instrumental. And then you get Dan Aykroyd, who's playing the character of Elwood. 
giving an introduction of the band. And I can't, can't think of a more uplifting way to start a show or an album. You know, the, the opening bass line from Duck Dunn and then the horn section kind of just kicks in. It's really second to none. It's a brilliant way to start the album. And also one of the best scenes in the movie because they're playing this when there's the, the famous uh, car chase scene in the mall when they're trying to evade the police. And, and what's hilarious and almost spot on is the way Aykroyd says in the song, by the year 2006, the only place you'll be able to find pure blues records is in the classical section of your local public library. <laughs> and frankly, it, it's almost spot on, yeah. but it's the internet instead of the library. So, yeah, amazing way to start the album. I know, when I heard so, that, I was going, bad, fuck, proc, proc, proc prognosticator there man absolutely yeah <laughs> so i so, remember getting so, albums in the freaking library i never returned yeah. to gogo's beauty and the beat because i spilled soda on it and i felt embarrassed <laughs> uh, great so, album by the way yeah what'd you think about this lee so 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 when it's his opening i can't turn you loose is that what we're talking about the one where they're coming yeah. out and yeah. like yeah. Duh, 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 duh. exactly okay because um that wasn't um like a full song to me it was like an opening but what i said and i'm glad that we're doing that because i wrote notes to it i said it was a cool fun way to open the album yeah it was and, a... that's, and even though um that sounds kind of not full um, to, um you know compared to what i usually say i i i just thought if i saw them live I would think, wow, that's cool. Yeah. It's like, this brought back memories. My stepdad at the time used to let me watch the classic Saturday Night Lives on Saturday with him. We used to sit up and watch it together. And I remember the Blues Brothers coming out to this theme. Yeah. It brought back great memories. I got and freaking uh, Dan Eric, uh, no, uh, John yeah. Belushi coming out and doing cartwheels. Yeah. Come on the stage. It's fucking awesome. And, and, and this show. If you watch the John Belushi uh, documentary, um, yeah. he was fucking wasted <laughs> doing this oh, show. Yeah, yeah. And oh, they yeah. were worried about <laughs> him on this show. Have, and, um, John Belushi? John Belushi um, was by, wasted by, on this album. By, by, by the way, um, not that I want to talk too much about it because we could go into it for a long time. If you see the thing that he did with National Lampoon's Lemmings, and he imitates Joe Cocker. Oh, yeah. He is... I mean, he has to have been a real musician in order to get done what he did. Oh, it's spot on. It's like Joe Cocker yeah. came out with him on that on Saturday Night Live and did it with him. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. Wow. It's hilarious, man. Yeah, he did. You could go look on YouTube and see him do that on YouTube on Saturday Night Live, Lee. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, it's a classic character for him. <laughs> yeah, but he's right. Saw, it started with the I lemons. Yeah. Joe Cocker. I saw Joe Cocker live, and he was fucking fantastic. Oh, that, those early Cocker albums are, are fabulous. Yeah, man. Now I got to uh, request yeah. some Cocker on your... Uh, I have I have his stuff. I know you do. <laughs> I, I I can pick the I I can pick the album or, or or Brian can pick the album. Oh, hopefully we won't do um a little bit of rain, but maybe another album. Cool. Right. I just have his greatest hits. I love that guy, man. I love his voice. Yeah. I got I into I got in the eighties too. Yeah. I I got into him because he did a little help for my friends on the freaking the Wonder Years. That's what got me into Joe Cocker. Sure. And sure. then I nine okay. and a half weeks, you could leave your hat on. 
going, this yep. is a fucking great song. I love that guy. Yeah. He was doing a lot of soundtracks in the 80s, and they're good songs. Yeah. They're really good songs. Really good songs. Yeah. And then we get to the next one, Hey Bartender. What would you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, this was originally done by Floyd Dixon, and uh, they seamlessly, like, seamlessly go in from I Can't Turn You Loose to uh, the great horn section in, in Hey Bartender. It just it flows in perfectly. And no surprise, it's just a great barroom boogie type of track. And, and you know, Belushi was always self-conscious of his singing voice, but if you listen to Hey Bartender, the raw passion and the love of the music really comes through. And, and considering it was really Dan Aykroyd that, that introduced the blues to Belushi, uh, Belushi's the one that kind of lived that that hard bluesman life, you know. And uh, speaking of Aykroyd, he never gets enough credit for his, uh, you know, blues harmonica playing. And I think it sounds great on Hey Bartender. And uh, there's a cool little guitar solo from Guitar Murphy. At least I think it's him. It sounds like him. Uh, it's perfect. And the, But the horn section here is what really carries the song through. What did you think about it, Lee? Oh, yeah. It's a cool, fun song you could drink to. It would be cool to go to a bar with your friends and listen to this. Right. I, I'm not. I'm not as um, detailed as Brian is because I'm only going with what I feel, mm -hmm. and he knows maybe a little bit more about the details of it. Uh, which, 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 kudos to him, but makes me think. Damn it, I'm I'm second. Here, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But but no, it's all good. I I, I think it's a good. I like it. Cool. Yeah. I love this song, man. They had a great backup band, which we talked about, and yeah. El and Elwood, aka Dan Aykroyd, can play that blues harp, like you said, Brian. Yeah. This song makes me want to get up and move, man. This is a great track. Uh, I never heard this album. I heard them play on Saturday Night Live and and in the movie. You know, sure. But I need to get that on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD. I need to upgrade this shit. Yeah, uh, the Blu-ray's got like probably about 25 extra minutes. So you get the full like John Lee Hooker song and there's some extra scenes that you get that they're definitely worth it. Shit, I got to get that, yeah. man. There's yep. a lot of I got like a lot of old DVDs I want to I usually just like upgrade my sci-fi ones cuz they're the ones mm -hmm. that need to be upgraded, but there's a lot of great comedy movies that have a lot more stuff on it that I want to Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shadow Shack has something live. special on Blu-ray too. So It does. It's, uh... I saw John Lee Hooker live at Great American Music Hall, and That's he awesome. was explosive. I, I mean, I, yeah, he was he was fiercer than you could ever imagine. He was like blow you out of the room almost. He oh, was I believe so good. it. I lucked out. I I went to uh, Carmel High School in in, Bank, in Belmont, California. It's kind of near San Carlos, and he lived oh, in San okay. Carlos towards the end of his life and so he came my senior year for black history month and performed it was it was badass now i was like one right of the people on. that actually knew him because that's what i grew up on but it was a, it was a true pleasure i mean he was in his late 70s early 80s at that point so yeah he, he was the man yeah you were this, sitting there this... telling all your friends hey i know this song hey i know this yeah song. Like, they know <laughs> this might brother. sound a little bit odd but but um you talk about belmont did you yeah. did, did you know um anybody by the name of oberg who lived in belmont by you it sounds familiar but uh... that was my cousins their names were oberg okay okay i had i i had um um some cousins who who were obergs i yeah, just thought my that parents i would live there yeah my, my mom grew up in st carlos my dad grew up in Rapid city so we've been on the peninsula oh okay forever yeah yeah and then we get to the next song messing with the kid what do you think about this one brian Great song by uh, originally done by Junior Wells, and uh, if you've ever heard Junior Wells, this is the sound you get from him. The, the guitar riffs, even though he's a harmonica player, 
they kind of had this James Brown kind of funk to them, and it's very, very catchy. And this is a perfect example of a very large band, because there's nine guys in total, not counting Akra and Belushi. They're all master musicians. They don't overplay, and they know exactly when to come in and make every note count. And this song is really a showcase for this. I, I think it's fabulous. What did you think about it, Lee? Well, I want to say, first off, this is one album where I'm not going to be doing any kind of bitching because I think that <laughs> that we all kind of agree on it. This has a great, cool beat to it, and Belushi sounds great on it. The band is grooving. It's really hip. Yeah, it's killer rhythm, and man, they updated the blues and made it groove. Uh, love Jake's voice, a lot of soul. Elwood can play that fucking blues heart, man. This is a great track. Right the album on, is man. just moving and grooving so far, man. Oh, yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. And then we get to the next track, which uh, Lee picked. I've got everything nice. yeah. I need, almost, <laughs> by uh, uh -huh. the Blues Brothers on the Freeform Rock Podcast. <laughs> I got everything I need almost. Why'd you pick that track, Lee? This is pretty good. It's the most live-sounding song on here so far. 
I like the casual vibe of it. What do you think about it, Brian? Yeah, so this was originally done by the Downchild Blues Band in the early 70s. They were a Canadian band. I think huh. Ackroyd knew about them because Ackroyd's Canadian. And uh, I guess huh. the lead, the, the main, the front man for Downchild Blues Band, that's kind of the persona that Jake, you know, Dan, uh, Belushi kind of took on. Uh, <clears throat> this is another, yeah, another great barroom boogie tune. And uh, it starts with a nice little blues lick to start the track off with. And again, the horn section. It's perfect, and, and with the exception of the Otis Redding song and, and another song coming up, most of these songs that they picked, very deep cuts, unless you're a you know a major blues aficionado. And so many folks, as I kind of mentioned earlier, kind of heard these tracks for the first time in 1978, which is awesome because they're introducing you know the younger kids to to these this great blues music and the saxophone, the piano solos are, are terrific. Along with the, it's cool to get you yeah. get some crowd participation as well. So good stuff. Yeah, especially since I, I mean, as as a side note. John Belushi was in a movie called Neighbors. Yep. And and he played a very normal guy, which meant that he had a lot going on with him. You know, he he could play the wild weirdo if he wanted, but he also had a lot of intelligence and could be a real good actor. And I think that his passion is what made this whole thing work. Yeah, you should definitely see the the Belushi documentary that Mark had, had said because it really gets in it, everything in his history coming up and and why okay. kind of like the way he was. Yeah, he was really fucked yeah. up making neighbors too. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, yeah. Dan Eckard with that blonde hair, man. <laughs> so, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Dan Eckard was nuts in that movie and freaking just terrorizing John. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but John was actually the one terrorizing him on the set because I couldn't find him. <laughs> it's like, where is he? <laughs> this is a this is a great song, man. Uh, Killer rhythm and piano rules. Um, he said in this song that they would feature the horns, but fuck, that piano just fucking kicks ass. <laughs> I love it. And then we get to the the next song, which if you're a Saturday Night Live fan, you would know this song, Rubber Biscuit. What do you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, this was originally recorded by a, a doo-wop brand called the the Chips, and uh, you might think that this song is totally, you know, oh well, the Blues Brothers made this uh, made this theirs, but the original sounds a lot. It's crazy, just like the you know what the Blues Brothers did. And as a kid, this was always the track that was amusing to me. And pretty much every kid that heard this song, they loved it. It's hilarious. Only Dan Aykroyd could deliver uh, like this and fully remains faithful to the original. And his vocal technique is so unique and it's so out there. He never kind of gets enough credit for his different inflections in his voice. Plus, who else could essentially talk gibberish and make total sense out of it? Maybe only David Rock. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mostly a novelty song, but it's super fun. It breaks up the album a bit, and it's a smart move to include it in the middle of the album. Hey, Lee, can you turn down your fan? Um, hi, my biggest fan. Can you be... I just hear blowing. Thank you, bitch! <laughs> Rubber biscuit. Rubber biscuit. You're hot there? Yeah. Isn't it like one degrees there? But I get hot! I'm like an Eskimo! <laughs> Alright, so what do you think about Rubber Biscuit, Lee? This is cute and funny. I wouldn't need to hear it too often, but it's alright. 
Sword's a good song, okay, you fucking bitch. <laughs> All right, man. I just you told go you hungry. Turn your fan <laughs> lower so we can hear. You're just it's just <laughs> in the background. Yeah, well, the, now you get to hear me. You get to hear me, you bitch, <laughs> fucking bitch. All right, man. I did. I tried to text you, but you weren't responding <laughs> about fuck your fan. you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. See, Lee, turn your fucking, you fucking asshole, you, your fucking. <laughs> no, that's not what you said. I know. But fuck you. I said, Lee, turn your fan down. <laughs> All right, and then Rubber Biscuit, man. This is Elwood rules on this. It's such a classic, and the fucking jokes of this is amazing. And I, I remember watching this on Saturday Night Live, and I just loved it. And then I saw the movie, and I go, fuck, I love this movie. And then, uh. We get to the next song, uh, Shotgun Blues. What did you think about this one, Brian? Yeah, this is another one by the the, the Downchild Blues Band. And this one's straight up down and dirty, bl slow blues. This is something that like Buddy Guy would do, B.B. King would do. Uh, this one's, I would say that Belushi, this isn't Belushi's best vocal performance, but he makes it work, and it's definitely not bad. But I'd say he works better when the song involves like kind of a fuller band sound instead of a highlighting, you know, kind of singling out his voice. BB King would shine here, but again, that's not a fair comparison because BB King's amazing. Uh, in any case, the guitar work by Mac Guitar Murphy is stellar here and, and definitely the highlight of the song. It's also the longest song on the album. What'd you think about it, Lee? The one, um, Shotgun Blues, yes, yeah, yeah, this is perform really well this is my style of slow blues good song yeah this is a uh, matt guitar murphy does kick ass on guitar in this one i think it's him since yeah, he had two guitar and this is like uh this is like a lot of soul in this song and fuck the guitar is just ruling this song for me i love it and then we get to the next song uh groove me what'd you think about this one brian this is one by uh, King Floyd, and again, what I really appreciate about this album is the diversity. And, and sure, it's all based on classic rhythm and blues and soul music, uh, but there are definitely some curveballs like Rubber Biscuit and Here With Groove Me, because this is like a reggae sort of track with kind of an old-school R&B feel to it. And uh, this sounds like something that the artists on Stax would have done in the 60s, uh, which makes sense, because that's where Steve Cropper and Duck Dunn you know, came from. And, and this is a fun song. Even if Belushi's sing, like Jamaican singing accent sounds a bit forced, it doesn't bother me. The, the chorus with uh, Ackroyd's harmonica is what really sells the song for me, kind of along with the, the Hammond organ from, from Paul Schaefer. So, Lee, what did you think about Groove Me? It's a cool R&B song. Maybe not one to hear all the time, but I can dig it. Yeah, it's a little reggae here mixed with the blues. I love it. And the blues harp and guitar is so good. This band is on fire. I like this song. It was a little like a curveball, like you said, Brian. Yeah. I was like, reggae? I was like, reggae? It definitely breaks up the monotony. It does. That and Rubber Biscuit, like you said. It was like cool tracks. And then we get to the next song, I Don't Know. What'd you think about this song, uh, Brian? Well, the, the guy who, who did this, great name, his name was Crippled Clarence Lofton, and uh, Belushi kind of mentions it when he introduces the song. And this almost has like an old-time stripper vibe to it, you know, the da-da-da-da. Yeah, and, uh, but it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. Got, it's kind of a blues jazz feel to it. It's a, it's a nice underrated track on an album that might get overlooked. Yeah. Uh, but it fits the you know the album flow, and I always love Belushi's you know the baby, you know that line. Oh yeah. You know? 
but Bushi's a little rap towards the end of the song. Uh, that's great. And uh, they actually performed this on Saturday Night Live as well. And, and the double entendre is great in, in all this. It, it's, it's a fun song. What did you think about it, Lee? Oh, you mean what song grew me? I don't know. No, uh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, this is more for the spoken type of parts and the jokes. I enjoy yeah. it, but it's more something that I felt is meant to hear live than on the record. Yeah. But with that being said, though, I would not have minded at all hearing it live. Yeah, I love the horns. Killer Blues here. I would have loved to see this band. I wonder if they are still good when they do it with John Goodman and uh, John Belushi. Um, Jim Belushi, I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, when they do yeah. it with uh, Dan Aykroyd. Because they still go out and do... Uh, clubs as the blues mm -hmm. brothers with those two and um and i love how... you know what's so kudos to john goodman is like he used to be quite overweight and then he started to lose the weight and he's still around yeah and 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 i and i and i give him kudos because um you know he's he's right on yeah, it's just funny watching him in the uh, the Roseanne, the Cotters thing now. He's really skinny and his head is huge. <laughs> like, dang. And I remember wow. watching him in King Ralph. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. Dang. He played Babe Ruth. Yeah, he played Babe Ruth. His are bigger than his body. <laughs> yeah, so. I should do a song, If Only My Brains Were Bigger Than My Body, I Might Think My Way to You, Babe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like, uh, like I said, uh, Dan Aykroyd Elwood goes off on the blues harp. It's uh, it's not Paul Butterfield good, but it's good, you know. Yeah. It's okay. Great. And then we get to the next song, which Brian picks, Soul Man. So here's Soul Man on the Freeform Rock Podcast. <laughs>
Okay, that was Soul Man. Why'd you pick this track, uh, Brian? Well, of course, th this was the big hit from the album. It was already a hit before they recorded it because, uh, you know, Sam and Dave did it. Uh, Cropper and Dunn played on it, the original. And it was written by Isaac Hayes and David Porter, who were the Stax like geniuses behind a lot of the great Stax material. Uh, yeah, this was definitely the most well-known track before the Blues Brothers covered it. Um, and, and I'll always be partial to the original Sam and Dave version because that's what I grew up with and, and my parents always played them. And my mom actually saw Sam and Dave play in, I think, the mid to late 60s at Stanford University. And she said it was an amazing performance. And uh, the, but the Blues Brothers here, they do an excellent job on their version. I'm glad they, they kind of brought, you know, a whole new generation of music fans into hearing this song because it really is a great song. And, and uh, again, you know, Cropper and Duck Dunn, they, you get that street cred because they were actually in, uh, you know, they were performers with Sam and Dave as well. They actually made a movie about this song called Soul Man. Thomas <laughs> <laughs> <What? laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't remember much of it, but I remember seeing it. What do you think about this song, Lee? Oh, this one's really good. I like how they performed the song. It's got a fun feeling to it. And it seems they really enjoyed playing it. And that comes through. So it's one of the album's highlights. Nice. Well, uh, Soul Band was about a white kid who turned himself black to get a scholarship. And uh, yeah. Darth Vader's in there. <laughs> and Ray Dong Chong. And Ray Dong Chong, too. Yeah. Oh, I loved her. She, she was, she's been in some uh, television series lately. And I go, man, she got old. I go, dang. Oh. <laughs> but, 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 but I, I, I know, but there's some of... old people that look freaking really good still. <laughs> like, she's she 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 kind of, you know, sexy. I thought. Oh yeah, remember that movie? She was with her dad, Far Out Man. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't remember that. I, it was, I it was funny. That. I I liked it. <laughs> I liked yeah, it. Ch Chong has always been my favorite. <laughs> I loved him in that '70s show also. Oh, oh! I, I in fact, um, after we finish doing the podcast, I want to listen to some Cheech and Chong again because I had their albums. They were funny as hell. Oh yeah, Sister yeah. Mary Elephant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, one of my favorites. Oh, I, yeah. I need to find the freaking album Big Bamboo with the big rolling paper in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had the album. I didn't have the well. I'm not saying they didn't have a rolling paper, but they didn't have any marijuana. They're, in it. The, they're the ones who invented the blunt. <laughs> it's like people uh, copied that bad. They definitely popularized it. They popper. It's like in the, what are you what are you yeah. smoking, Doberman man? But Big Bang Boo <laughs> was the first Labrador. album by by Cheech and Chong that I ever got. Mm -hmm. Labrador, Samari, wow. <laughs> that was a huge freaking trip. What's that? A toothpick? It is a toothpick. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> And it's so bad, yeah. man. I love... This is a killer live cover of this song. The bass is freaking pumping. Nothing compares to the Sam and Dave version. But it's still good, man. Killer song. Love it. And then we get to the next song, which you also picked, uh, Brian. B-Movie Boxcar Blues. Here it is on the Freeform Proc Podcast. Thank you. 
racing motors. Next I caught a ride with a gambler's wife. She had a brand new laid down rambler. She parked inside of town, laid the rambler down. She said she sure could dig it if I rode her. Doing my best to get back to you. Ain't nothing I'd rather do. Look for me Sunday, gonna be there, honey, or something special just for you. Boxcar Blues. Why'd you pick this track, Brian? Well, it's my absolutely favorite song on the album, and it's actually my all-time favorite Blues Brothers track, and it was originally done by Delbert McClinton, and this is just the perfect blues song to me. The intro riff by McIntyre Murphy is so great, and then Steve Cropper then comes in with the blues licks over it, and Duck Dunn's kind of got a down and dirty, you know, bass lines that kind of fill in. It's a perfect build-up into Belushi's singing, and for me, this is Belushi's best vocal performance on, on the album for me. And those Steve Cropper licks are really reminiscent to him playing on Green Onions when he was with Booker T and the MGs. Uh, but the groove is what has always attracted me to this song. And, and the vibe is what I love because what really makes this a, sound, a standout track is, in addition to what I just mentioned, 
the middle guitar breakdown between Cropper and Murphy before the song really kind of speeds up the tempo. Then the piano kicks in, the horns kick in, you know, Ackroyd starts playing the harmonica. It's, it's like they're at a frenetic pace. It's so good. It's just goosebump inducing every time I hear it. And it's, it's just a perfect blues song for me. I loved it when I was a kid. I, I still love it today. What'd you think about it, Lee? Now, um, the fact that you mentioned Dibber McClinton, I, I had that in my notes and I thought, Ben, I hope he doesn't say it because I want <laughs> to mention Deborah McClinton, but it's all good. I'm sorry. Means, no, no, you, you don't have to be sorry. It means that you're you're as smart as me. Well, which there you not go. which which not many people <laughs> um either will want to admit to or can admit to. But anyway, um I'll I'll just say what I said. It's cool they're doing a Dilbert McClinton tune. And they do it pretty well. It's a deep cut, but a nice one. Yeah, this is a great song with killer grooves, uh, killer piano. Reckon, uh, like you said, the guitar break is amazing. This is a great track, man. And then we uh, get to uh, Flip, Flop, and Fly, which Lee picks. So here's Flip, Flop, and Fly on the Freeform <laughs> Podcast. And Lee likes to flip, flop, and fly all the time. Uh, I, 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 I would say, yeah. Uh, I, I was like, a, I said, well, Lee picked a song he likes to do. So here we go. <laughs> flip, flop, and fly.
That was Flip Flop and Fly. Why'd you pick this track, Lee? It's really cool. They're doing this Big Joe Turner tune. It sounds sort of Big Bandish, but it fits the song. I like it. What'd you think about it, Brian? See, now Lee stole it from me. I was going to say it was written by Big Joe Turner in 1955. Okay. So there you so go. We're, we're kudos to all of us. We're very complimentary to each other. So, in, yeah, in many ways, I, I think B movie Boxcar Blues should have been the closing track because it, it had such a huge payoff at the end of the song. But I, I think it's cool to have Flip Flop Fly after. Uh, since it allows a, a nice little harmonic intro by Aykroyd to kind of kick off the song. Uh, this is more like kind of jump blues with with the upbeat rhythm that was really popular in the 50s. It, it's a great song, it, a good rendition with the horn section really standing out here. Uh, but that being said, I, I think, I'm going to stand by, I think B-Movie should have closed out the album for the for the proper songs. Hmm. Where'd you, th uh, oh, it's me, want to think yep. about it. <laughs> uh, killer blues harp to start the song and the bass comes in pumping. Uh, I haven't said this, but the drummer is freaking good. <laughs> yeah. And Jake has a great rhythm in his voice, man. I, I love it. Great track. And then we get to the closing, I Can't Turn You Loose. Only 51 seconds. What would you think about this, uh, Brian? I, I like that they use the same song to open and then close because it's such a great track. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect opener. It's a perfect closer. And, uh, and again, it's like the Blues Brothers theme song now. I think most people don't even realize it, it was Otis Redding. So when you, when, you, when you hear I Can't Turn You Loose, you think of the Blues Brothers. So I think it's, it's, it's a smart, it was really smart what they did. I thought this was an original song they made up to uh, open their shows. Oh, there you go. And so you're right about that. Uh, is there a whole, there's a whole version of this with singing and lyrics? Oh, yeah. Otis Redding sings it. Like, there's lyrics and everything. So I got to check oh, wow. this out. I, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to make fun of you because I know that um, there are people out there in the world who don't even know who Paul Simon and Billy Joel are. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make fun of you. But, but I mean, I know I'm who sorry. Otis Redding is, and I know who but, Jackie Wilson but, but, is, but, and I knew all but, these but, people. But, 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 but what I mean is you don't know their songs, and I don't know all of their songs. But what I mean is, so, but, but I can't help but say what I said, but. Yeah. But it's all good. I I, I just think I, I I think it's funny. So what do you think about the closing track, Lee? Like I said, with when it was the opener, I'll say with the closing, it's a nice quick way to close the album. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> it's a nice quick way to close the album. Right on. In fact, um, I I apologize, man. Um, we 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 have equal knowledge, man. Everything is good. And you know I know Billy Joel and Paul Simon. I keep saying, well, I haven't we done a Paul Simon album yet. We finally did a Billy Joel album. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we could do... Um, if you don't mind what out, what, 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 what particular album I pick, I, I want to pick one that I, that, I, that, that I heard when I was a little tiny kid. Yeah, that's cool. If, 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 if you're cool, then okay. That's fine with me. And then we get to the personnel on this album. Uh, Juliet Jake Blues, John Belushi lead vocals. Elwood Blues, Dan Aykroyd back, backing vocals, harmonica. Lead vocals on Rubber Biscuit. Paul the Shiv Schaefer, Hammond Organ, Woolitzer Electric Piano, Acoustic Piano, backing vocals, and Music Director. Uh, Steve the Colonel Cropper, guitar. Matt Guitar and Murphy, guitar. Donald Duck Dunn, bass guitar. Steve... Geldwa, Jordan, drums, backing vocals, Lou Blue, Marini, tenor and alto sax, saxophones, backing vocals, Alan, Mr. Fabulous, Ruben, trumpet, backing vocals, 
Tom, triple scale, Scott, tenor, and alto saxophones and backing vocals, Tom's, Bones, Malone, tenor, baritone, saxophones, trombone, trumpet, and backing vocals. How come, uh, 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 Paul Schaefer wasn't in the movie, was he? But all these other guys were. Yeah, I don't know if it was scheduling. I, there is a reason, and and people can do the research about it. But yeah, it was something. I don't know why he wasn't wasn't in the movie. So basically, Mister, I forgot what his name. He, he was if uh, Murph and the Magic Tones. If you watch uh, the movie, Murph basically takes the place of Paul Schaefer, and he's kind of his own character. So I'm not I'm not sure why why Paul Schaefer didn't the movie. It might have been like maybe he was on tour with someone, and maybe had scheduling conflicts. But yeah, that's. Uh, but pretty much, you know, that was cool because you got really the band members were characters in the movies too, you know, which is great. Yeah, it's like uh, Paul Schaefer. You know, I always thought about him as like, uh, you know, just uh, what's his name, uh, David Letterman, Letterman? sidekick, yeah. and he was like sure. weird. It's a cool cat, you know. He talks like that, groovy. You know, he's like mm -hmm. he reminded me like a hipster. <laughs> I didn't know he was really that good a musician until I dove into him. Mm. Oh yeah! Damn, this guy's played with freaking John Fogerty. This guy, this guy, that guy. I, I go, man, I this guy does everything. He has a, a TV show that's similar to like Daryl Hall, like in Daryl's house, where he performs with different musicians. And uh, my parents adore it. Like he just he can pretty much do any style of music and and just fill in. So if you can find that, that whatever Paul Schaefer his TV show is, I think he'd enjoy it. It's on Axis Television, the same as Daryl Hall now. Okay, there you go. I've seen. I it didn't even it. know that Daryl Hall did a television. Yeah, live show. from Daryl's house. But yeah. the thing, I, I never even heard of it. Axis keeps saying their new episodes of Live from Daryl's House, but they're the old ones that used to go on the show. I never saw that. You should see the one. You should see the one where he's with the Matchbox 20 singer. I love that episode. <laughs> oh my god, I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, he does. Well, they do his, they do their songs. Daryl Hall's band does their songs, and then they do Hall Notes songs. Right. And it's freaking amazing show. And then they have food. And then they have bring in a chef, Lee, and they show you what they're making. It has everything you like, food and music. Okay. Yeah. I might watch it for that reason. I think it's you can find some episodes on YouTube. Maybe. Okay. But I, I don't like I don't like the, the guy Chris Thomas or whoever the fuck he is from No Rob um, Thomas. Um, uh, Rob, Rob Thomas, Thomas. Whatever the fuck. Oh, he but he's is. got other other musicians on there. He's got he, he Yeah, got, every week. Yeah, every week he had Grace Potter. He yeah, I like I like Daryl Hall. In fact, there's an album that we should do of Daryl Hall. I love Daryl Hall. You 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 um um remember the Bruce Hornsby album that we did? Yeah. Okay, we, uh, we'll we'll do a Daryl Hall album that gives you the same feeling that's the Bruce Hornsby. Oh, great! Thanks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm telling you, man. All right, man. So that's our review of the Blues Brothers. Uh, briefcase full of blues and want to thank you uh brian for being on here again and i uh, give you your chance to pimp your shows brother well my pleasure and uh thank you guys for for indulging me in all these albums and and hey i had an amazing batting average with lee i think he liked five out of six of them so i yeah. can't be more thrilled that's 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 um kind of amazing but it is it, 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 it makes me think you're really cool. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Lee. And uh, Mark's also really cool because he hangs out every week uh, at the, the Bad Beat show with, uh, with me on ThatMetalStation.com, 11 p.m. Eastern time every Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, and then the, the movie podcast, Damn Good Movie Memories, if you want to hear in-depth analysis about certain movies, you know, you never know. Eventually we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Blues Brothers and things like that. So check it mm -hmm. out.
Well, if you ever do any Star Trek movies, I'm your guy. I will let you know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I have the I have the first seven, and uh, really, the, the we'll talk about the first one. But I st still to this day, I'm super bored by the first one. So it'll be fun <laughs> to talk about that. I I understand why you're bored on that. <laughs> oh yeah. But it's two, very drawn out and long, oh yeah. and and Captain Kirk's having a hard on when they're going in the shuttle to go back oh to yeah. the Enterprise. He's like they're just I staring would be at more, <laughs> I would be more into movies like The Warriors. Oh, actually, or, I have that one coming up. So. Or um, Reckless mm -hmm. with Daryl Hannah and Aiden Quinn. Yep. Or um, Splash. We did Splash. Or, or oh, yeah, cool. Or, or or even um um ten with Bo Derek. Oh yeah, I definitely oh, like get to that one. She's still hot. So so She's so amazing. those are so those those are the four that I so um if you did that I'll I'll definitely look at the you said you did Splash. We did Splash. We that came out I think earlier this year. So yeah, I'll go back in the archive. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely look at that. I man, because that that was a cool movie. Yeah, and it was a fun fact. It was the first movie. Basically, Disney created their own uh, film company separate to Disney just Touch, for that movie. It was Touchstone. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. A lot of good movies came I from didn't, that. Didn't Turner I and Hooch come on that realize, too? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize that now that Touchstone was was part of Disney. Yeah, they wanted to do so, more wow. quote-unquote, like, uh, you know, adult-oriented films. So, that, you know, because they were only doing, you know, stuff like Gus and things like that. So they wanted a live action where they could have wow. a PG or... 13 type film yeah you even know more about stuff than i do <laughs> that, <laughs> that, 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 that makes me want to slap myself on the head and go dummy 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 why don't you know more useless information I'm <laughs> but this is the fun part we all compliment each other you know right on that's all good yeah i i, I miss john candy though speaking of oh i do too i love john Candy. oh my god uncle buck freaking uh is He's. I, I had never really seen a bad movie except that last one he did with the. Did he do one with Chris Farley and they both died? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really towards the end of their career. But I mean, we did an episode on Summer Rental, which is a fun movie. He was in uh, Volunteers with Tom Hanks. That's oh, a, I love that's Volunteers. Uh, Armed and Dangerous with uh, Eugene Levy because yeah. he was on SCTV with him. So yeah, Candy was in a lot of fun movies. Are you on YouTube? Is the podcast on YouTube? Or Some episodes it... are. Uh, it just depends on or, if YouTube blocks. Or, 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 or is there um, a specific channel where I can You can hear... listen to it on Podbean or Apple Podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, where you okay. listen to podcasts, it's yeah. there. So yeah, I listen, I listen um, to it on Apple Podcast. And, yeah. and so is it more movie or like what? what's... The... Like like um, those great movie. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I, I, I so what, the, what's the name of it again? Damn good movie memories. So the first damn good movie memories. Okay, now I'll remember. So the first okay, 100 good. episodes, we we did like themes. You know, like name the first movie that you saw in a movie theater, like that type of things. And we you know, okay. So we were having a lot of fun with that, and I was interviewing a lot of people at work because we—that's how the podcast kind of started. It was just like we'd have these random conversations at work, and they were just like, "Why don't you just do a podcast?" So we did it, and then after 100 episodes, I was like, "This is getting tough to come up with really good." Like it was—it was becoming work to come up with ideas. So I have such a huge DVD collection. I was like, "Well, why don't I just make it like?" Oh, I'll pick a random episode and then make it like the special features on the Blu-ray or on the DVD where you really get into the 
in-depth knowledge about the film and, and then we played you know certain movie okay. clips so i can find them and just basically make it like if if you'd never seen the movie it gets you interested if you have seen the movie maybe you'll still learn something so it's fun you know oh, yeah. yeah and uh, there are some episodes on youtube but youtube's weird because if there's certain clips i add they might block it uh if yeah. i add sort of okay. music they block it so that's it, why it, it's I, weird because youtube uh they they started blocking episodes because of the uh, the slight David, the Van Halen theme that's in right. the, the starting, and in exactly. some episodes they won't block it because of that. Yeah. It's weird. It's like they Whatever decide. It's like I yeah. I did um, a live video um, on Facebook where I did some old Polish jazz from the '60s, mm -hmm. and and um, Facebook said we will block or we will stop your video if you keep posting these Weird. songs without permission i'm like oh. how would they even know yeah but i only had like one or two more so i said you know what i'm just gonna do it yeah and i did it and then they stopped it but they stopped it after i finished the last song mm -hmm. so it's like as long as people heard it fine yeah but it was like old stuff from poland from like the 60s and they're like um they they didn't know about it. Who <laughs> does that mean that people inform them or what? It's a little bit I of mean, both. How, so they have how they have can a, they know? They have an automated tracking system that, that figures out, you know, certain waves and everything, and then they flag it based on that. And then humans oh. actually do the review once it's flagged. Um, so yeah, and then you know, some stuff is easy. Like if you're playing Danger Zone from Kenny Loggins, that that's immediately getting a flag because it's universal. But yeah, your stuff like oh. that. What you're talking about that that's it, it must be in in their database where something ticked a box and and it yeah. got flagged i seem so. to get the most blocks from uh warner brothers yeah exactly yep yeah. yep and it just so what i works. did then was i did i will do my own stuff and i said right. i think it will be interesting if facebook starts to block me because i'm doing my own stuff let's see what happens facebook and of course <laughs> they didn't Warner yeah, Brothers you know. blocked me on Facebook for lip singing to uh, David Lee Roth, and then uh -huh. I I, uh, I I disputed it, and a year later they gave it back. <laughs> a year later, yeah. it takes forever. My David, man. my David Lee Roth stuff hasn't been um, disputed, but only probably because it's so horrible that <laughs> they figure that nobody's going to listen to it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's get into the tracks of the week. Brian, you picked uh, "Home uh, Sweet Home Chicago" by the Blues Brothers, which is uh, thank on the, God uh... not "Home Sweet Home" by Motley Crue. Right, I, I, I couldn't resist that, but yeah. And "Sweet Home Chicago," of course, is, was written by the great Robert Johnson. It's been covered countless times, but I, this is my favorite version, and it's in the movie. So you, you know, it's it's a, it's a terrific, terrific track. Yeah, wow. and then uh, Lee picked "Bacon Fat" up the nice. line. I don't even know who that is, but I like the cover, the album cover named something Grease or something. I was like, yeah, that's a cool album. You like, you like, you like hamburgers and grease. That's why I picked it, man. So <laughs> that amazing. you can eat it. And then that you can go, hi, honey, I'm home. And then we when can I was, be fat together. Sorry, I'm then being I, Then I said, I wanted to pick a blues track because everybody's picking blues tracks. So I picked Kenny Wayne Shepherd because he was in the Blues Brothers 2000 movie, right? Oh, so, <laughs> I think Oh, was okay, it Johnny well, Lang? Well, oh, that was Johnny Lang. Oh, I got yeah. confused. Late to the game, man. The, the, but, but, the 16-year-old guitar player. If it's players, a good right? song, if it's a good song, it's okay. Johnny Lang <laughs> rules, though. Um, I picked "Alive" by Kenny Rain Shepherd, which I requested on your show last night. 
Yep. And then Lee's track, which he just wrote today because I gave him a... I said, hey, why don't you make a song with the words hoist and moist in it? Yeah, we, we wrote, yeah, 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 I, I give you credit. So he wrote a song called Hoist Those Moist Dumplings Sweet Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> I said, hoist and moist. I want to hear a song with the words hoist and moist in it. They don't go together, but they rhyme. So he yeah. wrote that song. So <laughs> until next yeah. week, Lee, you know what to do. Say goodbye, brother. Bye, brother.
Just listen to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artists by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.